Hello to all you survivors out there in the wasteland. We're transmitting from our hermetically sealed bunker beneath the nation's capital, and thank you for joining us on whatever scavenged receiver you've got going today. I'm Evan May, author of The King in Darkness and Bonhomme Seta. And I'm Brandon Crilly, Ottawa-based author of science fiction and fantasy. The animal kingdom has risen up in rebellion against their human oppressors, but we are safe from red teeth and claws in our cozy little bunker. But we do have a lot of time on our hands, so we've decided to make it go a bit quicker by sharing stories. Instead of a campfire, we have the screeching of claws on the bunker door. And the howling of beasts is actually pretty appropriate. We'll be talking about the stories we love from the world of science fiction, fantasy, and horror, as well as the tales that come from the creation of stories and the creation of art in general. Today, we've invited two of our fellow survivors to share their own ideas, experiences, and interests with us. Here's who will be joining us in the bunker today. My name is Avi Silver. I am an author and editor of Speculative Fiction and one half of The Shale Project. Um, when I was young, I narrowly avoided being struck and killed by the Dave Matthews tour bus. My name is Sienna Tristan. I am a writer, poet, and all-around multi-potentialite. I am the other half of the Shale Project, and uh, my fun fact is that in seventh grade, I learned how to dance hula. We're both really looking forward to our conversation today and just as excited that we get to share it with you. Gather around, survivors, and welcome to Broadcasts from the Wasteland. Oh, the light came on. Yeah. The light came it's on. on. We're good. Perfect. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah, you, yeah. pulsing. I don't like that. <laughs> it's okay. It's just staring into just your soul. Cover it. It's, un it's unsettling. Yeah. It could be, could I just blink? No, I can't do that the whole time. <laughs> you could. No one will know. Arm day. <laughs> arm day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you ever had an arm oh, workout? Just hold your oh, arm out long burn. enough. Oh, man. <laughs> my, my arm workout is lifting boxes at home I, i'm i'm good mine's a neurological disorder <laughs> psych <laughs> and minute one <laughs> um, no if, if, if you ever look at like a lobster how it has one like very small like pointy and then one and one like, claw? Kick your yeah, ass that's claw. you that's, that's me because this arm's constantly going so it's like jacked and this arm's like mm. i'm like all right well at least a motor tech made me very bulky on one side asymmetrically swole <laughs> it's just like, tragedy. is that i'm not sure if that's a benefit or not i'm gonna say it's a benefit i get it. I, like, <laughs> I see, you know, an I'm, observation i'm gonna take it in, in this world of detriments i will take anything that right? i can call a benefit that's it holy crap so I saw, can, can I ask you a little bit about it? Cause I saw you tweeting about um, appointments and stuff to do with it. And, yeah. and again, and you know, like when we were talking to Nebulas, if anything is, is like too private, just tell me to piss off. And, and... Oh yeah, absolutely. Back, back at you. I have very little um, impulse control. Speaking of very little impulse We've control. We've lost all social skills. In years. <laughs> Haven't we no, all? I, um, I've had, oh my God. What, did we ever have social skills? Come on. <laughs> Let's not be too generous with ourselves. Um, that's, um, yeah, I have had like a motor tick for like all of my life, but my mom has a motor tick and my brother has like exhibited a motor tick. 
So I was like, oh, that's just something people do. <laughs> and, and, and my father. And your grandfather. My grandfather. He had a, he had a wow. vocal tick. And it was just like a thing where I've like seen it, but it it never struck me that it was a thing. And then I was watching an interview with Billie Eilish, actually, and I ended up, she had Tourette's. And I yeah. saw her do something with her head. And I was like, but there it goes. And I was like, I do that. I do that. And this was after pre-lockdown. I had gotten all of these, like, um, you'll see going now when I talk about it. Um, I had gotten these, like, scans done. I'd see my doctor. I'd done all these things. And they're like, there's nothing there. And I was like, maybe it's all in my head. Turns out. It was. Um, not the way you but not the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, I, in, like, June, got um, a referral to the Tourette's Clinic, which was very exciting. Um, and it just happened, like, last week. And it was, like, really um, revelatory for me. Because I was like, I mean, I know I have a tick disorder. I like know it's like a motor tick. And when I was filling out like this form, they were talking about like vocal ticks. And I realized that a lot of the funny little things that I do um, are literally freaking vocal ticks. But I had no idea because I'm surrounded by people who, person especially, who like love and support me. So when a car goes by, it makes a noise and I have to imitate the car. It's like, oh, there goes Avi. And I just, it just never occurred to me that that's what that was, or I'd have to like, I say something like over and over again, and it's like a little phrase, but when it's something like the opening to Chris Fleming's Boba Manifesto, this is my Boba Manifesto, I'm going to have bubble tea every day, and if you try to stop me, I will delete you from my contacts, like that, like it's just that, and it sounds like I'm just speaking in memes, but as I was like doing this, I was like, well, son of a bitch. And the guy was like, yeah, congratulations. Like, you have Tourette's, dude. Like, you meet, you have blasted through, like, all of the qualifications. And it's been really interesting just sort of looking at that and kind of having the experience, especially with writing of, Mm -hmm. like, you know, how come I can only write in first? It's because, well, because I'm in pain every time I write because my arm's going because I'm trying to think and it happens. So it's trying to balance that out. Um, which has been sort of interesting, I guess, in terms of like what that means for process. And mm-hmm. I also had another bit of comedy that I was <laughs> tweeting about where um, my whole life I've had anxiety, right? Like I have anxiety. It's general anxiety. Great generalized anxiety. Everyone's got generalized anxiety. Everyone thinks if they look at the sun at 7 p.m. it'll blow up. It's anxiety. It's anxiety. Totally normal anxiety. And right. as I was like, yeah, everyone thinks if they look at a piece of meat, it will kill everyone with food. Poisoning. Not if I look at it, but if it gets in the wrong spot and I only know, or like there's a specific set of words that I can say that will end my marriage and I'm constantly moving around to try to find. So apparently, anxiety. That's, a, that's just regular anxiety that <laughs> I everyone I feel like I know has. where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Do you? laughs> survey says, I have OCD. <laughs> so, one out of one doctor agrees. Yeah, one out of one doctor like agrees with like such an expression like, on his face. Like, oh, no. I, I called him King Dr. Tourette. Like, I just became the name that I was giving. <laughs> That's amazing. But King Dr. Tourette, um, he's also like, you have ADHD. I don't need to tell you that. Like, you do not. Like, this is, we know this. But it was a big surprise for me because it was suddenly this, like, reframing of my whole life because like I never considered that my mom has OCD my grandfather definitely had OCD but I'm like well I don't because it doesn't present in the ways that I'm used to seeing it or that media does or it doesn't present this way that's comorbid with ADHD so it's just been this like kind of wild this this has been a week ago by the way so I'm still riding this train holy crap (laughs) <laughs> I, I had a big you heard your first phone <laughs> 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 by the time this comes out in like March this is going to be old hat but, but anyway. yeah that's yeah. going to be well I found some we new and exciting yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> Stay current. Stay current, man. But no, it's been like really nuts looking because there's this moment that I think comes 
for not everyone, but for a lot of people who are dealing with like neuro stuff and psych stuff where I think for some people getting a diagnosis is like, am I being put in a box? Is it this thing? Like for me, like I'm very um, skeptical of Mm -hmm. diagnoses and the mental health system and a lot of things, but also, also being told I'm working on a spec poem right now, actually about this. When, when the alternative is I have the power to blow up the sun, I'm just crazy is a very comforting thought. And the sudden like realization that like, just because I'm thinking it doesn't mean it's true Mm. is like, it's shocking to me. It's shocking to me, even though it like shouldn't be. And even though I'm like, it's kind of a bummer to be like, ah, this is why things are always so hard. It's also like, I'm not lazy i'm not there, there isn't some secret that everyone knows that i don't yeah brain just broke brain just broke baby yeah. so it's been it's been kind of a that's been that's been um our week in this house indeed wow. it's been yeah it's been a, it's been a as we like to say it's been a big day for jeff it's been a big, day for <laughs> it's been a big week for all me. wow i mean yeah. like so like, can i just like can i just throw out there Thank you for hanging out with us after all. No. Like, this is the highlight of the week. This is so good. good. It's okay. either that or me lying down like, what about 6 p.m.? Will 6 p.m. get this? Like, it's very, it's right. very good. That's also not an obsession that I've had in many years. I just think it's the funniest one. Um, and by not had in many years, I mean, doesn't give me as much physical anxiety. Right, as I see what you're saying. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's really, I'm really, thank you for having us. It's really nice just being able to like chat and chill and kind of be out of, our bizarre bubble of like lizard and neurological disorders. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's, it's, it's nice too, because, you know, this year has been the year of like not doing the things that we thought we were going to do as far as our artistic career goes. Mm -hmm. And like, this is fun and casual and friendly mm-hmm. and like a, a nice yeah. time with pals, but also it's like, oh no, this counts as a cred. Like mm-hmm. this is Absolutely. you, you know, taking your artistic career seriously in yourself, like in your own mind. This mm-hmm. is being like, I'm doing a thing that mm-hmm. represents my commitment to continuing to do this, despite yeah. the fact that everything is egregiously fucked up. Right, yeah. Um, and that, like, so it's Sorry, cool. go ahead. No, 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 stop up. Yeah, like, like, and that's um, one of the things I actually wanted um, to ask you folks, because unlike with previous, like as much as this is casual, Evan and I committed to each other that we would do actual research and prep for this season. Um, I don't know if he did, but I did. It's so funny because yeah, I, I didn't know you. it was for the whole season. <gasps> you did? We talked about it. I did. <laughs> that's, Big picture, execution. <laughs> that's terrifying. I, okay, we'll just table that. Um, Who watches the watcher, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know what to do with that now. Um, <laughs> no, but um, as much as like, but you know, I didn't want to just sit around and let's talk about the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic. I feel like that's at the forefront of all of our minds, right? Because all every, like I know, like you said, like everything that we've planned on doing for this year, just poof. Um, was there a bunch of stuff um, like for shale project that you were, that has just totally been had like, Oh no, is it that bad? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say the biggest thing. <laughs> Listeners at home, I am rubbing my temples so hard right now. Oh no. I think the biggest thing that's been derailed with the shale project has been the shale project. Um, yeah, correct. Okay. But I think we kind of needed that, honestly. Mm. Okay, like, interesting. Okay. Go off. 
this is I'm I'm trying I'm trying something called positivity where I sit down and I think some positive thoughts. Um, so we're gonna say how that goes. But um, no, yeah. I think I think you know at this point I was supposed to have a book out with Shale. We were supposed to be working on another surprise bonus thing. Um, right. I have only been able to crack open the manuscript this week for right, so yeah. many reasons. And it's the kind of thing where for a lot of what we do with Shale, there's, of course, like, you know, writing the books, putting out the books, but it's a lot more than that because there's yeah. only, you know, there's two of us there's and there's our collaborators. And a couple of artistic collaborators, collaborators which are on like a contractual project by mm -hmm. project basis. And one of those collaborators in a technical sense can't even do anything this year because their role was in an in-person capacity. Yes. You've met Carissa before. Yes. Carissa is yes. our wonderful Shaladra cosplayer at conventions mm -hmm. which right. are a thing of the past <laughs> yep. yeah what were right. those children let me yeah. tell you about conventions relics yeah so so much of what we do like outside of putting out the books is is conventions is going to events is teaching workshops is a relic yes yeah. and so it's kind of yeah. been the thing of when 80 percent of what we outwardly do is sort of off the table most of our energy is low and the rest of it is kind of dependent on on both of us and luck it's it's kind of been quiet but i feel like looking back when i look at this year i'm gonna have an endless screen but i'm also going i think right now i'm starting to view it because i'm getting all nostalgic because it's just, two weeks left until 2021 baby and, oh, yeah. then everything will change. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything will be different this is like this is the year we did things Mm. Um, like we, with Shale, like we were both, we work full time, we come mm -hmm. home, we write, we do Shale. We were working like 16 hour days all the time, trying oh. to get those eight hours of sleep in if we could. Yeah. Um, it was, it was constant. The hustle was endless. I wonder how much our exhaustion was just like, you know, burnout. Mm. But yeah. it was the kind of thing where when we were both fun employed at the same time for about a month and all we did was play Final oh Fantasy Seven for an entire month. April. That was April the, 2020. April 2020. That was one of the greatest months of my life. Same. Um, in Absolutely. terms of doing things that I wanted to do. You had yep. a month of permission to essentially be 17 again, except yeah. with like the control over your environment of a fully grown adult. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, and it was just, yeah, like, uh, we were, we were in that weird liminal space where, mm -hmm. like, we knew financially we were going to be okay between, mm -hmm. you sure. know, Canadian governmental benefit stuff mm -hmm. and between the job that I had lined up, mm -hmm. um, we were going to be kind of back on track in a matter of time, like, in, in short order. So it was, like, just kind of chill, like, you're on standby for now, but we're things are going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and so you had, like, the mental space to be like, I guess this, you know, one of the things that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic was like, don't treat this like a snow day. It's not, but for one month, one month we could yeah. because yeah. It, it wasn't hurting us or anyone around us. And that was just phenomenal. And I think it really um, informed how we started to consume media for the rest of the year. Yes. Cause like, I'm gonna be honest. I've read like four books this year. Like there I are two classes of people. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Like there I are like hate two it. classes of people this year. There's like people whose reading has like skyrocketed and more yeah. power to them. And there's people like me and apparently also like you, Brandon, yeah. where, oh, yeah. and also like Avi and Evan, I'm not sure about you, um, but you can weigh in where <laughs> it's like reading who's she. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. That's like, not I, a thing I know how to do. I, I've tried, I have this stack of books and I kept buying books. I don't know if you, any of you folks did yes. this. Like I kept buying books all through the spring and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to read all these books. And they're still like, I moved them to a new yeah, house so and they're you. sitting in the corner and I'm like, okay, like I'm looking at winter break from teaching and I'm like, okay, these are the mm. books I'm going to read. And I don't know if I'm going to get through one. One. And they're right? excellent exactly. books. I just, I can, I read a chapter and I'm like, and I'm good. 
let me go watch another episode of Supernatural. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Do better for yourself. Has, does it ever feel to you like you're not respecting the work by giving it your full attention? Because that's how it feels to me. It's like someone put there, I'm a writer. I know how it yep. feels to pour over every flipping word. And I feel like I'm doing a disrespect to that work by not coming at it with anything less than my 100% attention. And yep. like categorically this year, I don't have 100% attention. Yep. So it's like, exactly. I gotta wait until I can meet it on its level. Yeah. Um, and that's why I've seen a lot of people, I'm not one of them, but you were one of them. And we have a few friends who are able to eat up um, like more formula fiction. Because it serves, it fills that hole, right? Yeah. Of like, um, without disparaging it, because clearly it has an incredibly important place in the ecosystem, like this one. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't have that same like fear of approach that a lot of the, the like really mo like considered and individual and soulful stuff has. You're like, no, this was, you wrote three of these in a year and they're mostly for fun and enjoyment. And so I, my brain can handle that right now. Yeah. Um, but because that's not the genre that I tend to read, I've just been in a drought all year. Yeah, mm -hmm. same. Yeah, I mean, like I, I like, uh, my nemesis um, is almost at like <laughs> she's looking at um, she'll have read about almost 150 books by the end of the year because um, she can just I don't and, and, and she's like I don't know how I'm reading so much I don't know how much how you're reading that much because um, mm -hmm. but it's partly because of yeah like uh, the genres that she consumes and 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 she just devours books and she always has and and I'm I'm yeah. impressed by that all the time yeah um, yeah but what are you gonna do. It's so funny though, because I feel like that's that's been for me. I've been romance has been like specifically queer historical romance. Like oh, KJ Charles and Kat Sebastian are Shut up. sacred <laughs> humans for their work. But I, um, because I'm pretty gray romantic, I always see uh, romance as a highly uh, speculative element in fiction. I'm like, now they're gonna do the thing. Oh, they're looking at each other, and now they have a feeling. <laughs> like it's just, it's always, it's baffling and exciting to me. And I really like stories about character building and negotiation and I've found so much comfort in um romance convention because mm -hmm. I have trust I have faith I'm not going to be hurt by it as I'm reading mm -hmm. it I yep. can work through these things with the characters I can watch them work through their problems I love the historical stuff because I can learn things about the world that I am in that are not the world that I am in mm -hmm. and that's been comforting and I think both leaning into like I've read a lot of romance books um but even that sort of dried out for me right now and also, like, I found the way that <clears throat> I used to struggle a lot with video games because I always wanted to do them, but I could never justify time for them. I think mm -hmm. this was something that um, Derek and Kelly talked about in the first episode of Broadcast of, like, can you have... Um... You've listened yeah, to I remember that because <laughs> we've researched you. I was, <laughs> I was listening to it on the bus. I was like, well, the bus, a thing of the past. <laughs> In the before times, I was listening to broadcasts from the wasteland. But no, like, um, the whole thing of like, well, do you have time to play video games when you're working on your craft? And for yeah. me, I never felt like I did. Yeah. Um, because I've always like, I really love interactive fiction. I love narrative design. But it's something that I've really gone into more this year because I want to feel like I'm engaging and I, I'm having a really hard time engaging with other people. Mm -hmm. um, and when I'm working with um, RPGs especially, Mm -hmm. every interaction feels so real and so authentic yeah 
and I think we talked about this a little at the Nebulas, but it's, it's that, that that has really persisted and we've been playing so many video games mm-hmm. and it's just a medium I never really allowed myself the pleasure of touching before. And now I'm like, son of a bitch, I want to write games. Well, like a lot of that comes right? through from like when we were all children, <laughs> we were fed the erroneous narrative that like people who play video games are lazy and they won't do anything else with their lives. Yeah. And you're there like, well, I want to avoid that at all costs yeah. <laughs> because I was also told that I couldn't do much with my, my writerly and, you know, artistic aspects. Mm-hmm. But it's like, nah, this is, uh, there's an argument that can be made that this is, you know, the the only form of storytelling that can do certain things that other forms can't. Like you can, mm-hmm. you can implicate the, the user in certain ways that books and TV yep. and film cannot mm-hmm. do. You can, you know, in, involve and engage, like you were mm-hmm. saying, um, you can engage the, the player in a way that makes them like complicit in a story. Yeah. Um, other forms of storytelling just can't do because of the, they're not built, they're not designed to contain that kind of interaction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's just like immensely cool. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm super glad that we finally got to do that this year. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I'll ever stop. <laughs> I hope thing, don't. Right? Yeah, just like, yeah. yeah, don't stop. Um, yeah. Have you played a game, uh, uh, Torment, Tides of Numenera? No. Oh, man, it is. Uh, like it's it's uh, Baldur's Gate style in like top down RPG uh, mm-hmm. sort of setup, and it's set in they call it the Ninth World, and it's like this um, very like science fictiony but almost science fantasy in a way sort of world, and it's like this Ninth World is built on the ruins of eight previous worlds, and so it's just a mishmash of all like you get random aliens and random robots and like squid creatures and and like random flora and fauna. And it's just like a hodgepodge of stuff from all these other worlds. And it all makes total sense. And you mm. go through and you interact with all these characters. Um, and it's, it's that implication of, of like every little decision that you make will have some sort of dramatic effect on these NPCs. And, and like you're shaping this world as you go because um, you're the, the, the cast off of like some sort of godly entity that like inhabits a body. And then when he's done with you, you're gone. And then you can live up the rest of your life. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, just this, this, like, fun, it is easily, um, the most intricate and I think thoughtfully constructed world I've seen in a video game in forever. And it is so much fun. And I just, the reason why I thought of it is because with the, um, like implication for the, the player, um, like you have like six or seven different companions you can potentially like bring with you mm-hmm. and at the end of the first act of the game you go from, you know, whatever region you're into this next region and whoever is with you at that point, you're stuck with them for the rest of the game. That's the hard pick. And one of the characters you can pick is this, she's like 12 years old, 10 years old or something that this uh, girl who's running away from slavers and, and like every character has this really, and it's like, how do I choose? And so I ended up not choosing her and I'm going into these other worlds and like hours upon hours of gameplay later, I come across her at a slave market and she won't even talk to me. You can't, you can't even interact with her. Like you can click on her and it's just like, like just ellipses. She won't say Silence. what I'm like, oh yeah. no, what have I done? Oh, that kind of game. Oh. You're selling it. You're selling it. Oh, real. Kind of if anybody from Torment, whatever, I forget what company does it. If anybody is listening to this, <laughs> we would like to write games. <laughs> Send us merch. <laughs> put it in the show notes it's so it's so powerful again like the implication of like um i'm like autonomy i think in games and like the choices that you make like i'm someone who i have a really hard time when i'm playing um as i said i love romance i love dating sims because it's oh yeah i i get to practice doing 
everything that normal human interaction (laughs) and then i said i like you would you like coffee that's how they talk (laughs) it's it's, it's a good little it's a good little practice um but whenever i play through them there's always the option to be like so mean like it's like oh this person says hello what do you say do you say hi there hey, gorgeous, or do you just stab them in the head? And I'm like, okay, I don't want to stab them in the head. But there's always, like, an option to, like, do something terrible. One of these things is not like the other. And I can can never do it, especially even if it's just a little mean. Like, if it's like, why are you talking to me? And I'm like, (laughs) because I just, like, I look at the pixels on the screen, and I'm like, it has a soul. And I just, like, can't do it. And I think I think it's so funny with games of, of the idea of like I can see why some people would be like, hey, I wanna I wanna go black hat, I wanna do, I wanna play the evil route, I wanna do this, but I am just not built for it. I'm built for revenge and that's it. But if this person has if that person's hurt me, I'll ruin it. <laughs> fun but i mean not in real life no 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 but in games <laughs> of course um like I'm, I'm glad to i'm glad to do that and be like yeah. please learn yeah. but um when you just meet someone and it's like can you just be mean to this stranger like i completely lack the capacity but i i'm always curious why games ask us to do that especially yeah. if it's more subtle like what is what is, is there something out of that option aside from like i guess the thrill of being a dickhead yeah like what need is being fulfilled by that narrative option yeah, yeah and I'm, i think there's a lot of possibility um i think about like the beginning that you had just mentioned of you, you make a choice that seems like oh it's a hard choice but i don't know what the consequences are and then you get those consequences yeah. and you're like which choice is it and how lick or wrong is this a game or is this just human interaction that's it yeah and that's a very different element that like uh, in terms of giving that option for like to be a dick that's like to do it that way is way different than say you know grand theft auto back in the day which filled a very different sort of like you know and as a child i had my brief foray into grand theft auto and and then i smartened up um as we do right and like like that like the existence of a game like that so it doesn't surprise me at all that in all these other games you're gonna have an option to be a dick and i i I don't want to like part of me doesn't want to think too hard about why that's always in there as an option um Mm -hmm. but well, you gotta wonder whether it's just because like we talk about this with books a lot too mm. like whether that's just tradition like that's mm. the foundation mm. of what we think needs to exist as an option in in a game like what yeah. is a game right and it, right? Yeah. there's these things that are buried so deep in like the 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 monomyth of, of like what a game is supposed to look like regardless of genre right yeah. like the example of what does a story need to have it needs to have conflict this is something we say a lot but brandon you and i had a brief interaction on twitter recently where we yeah. talked about kisho tenketsu which is a, yeah. a japanese four story act that does not require conflict you know mm-hmm. you can have it but it's not baked in yeah. so much the way that that is like that's not actually necessary like the option to be an asshat is not actually necessary in gaming as a as you know as a, as a medium but i wonder if it's just happened in enough you know runaway hit games that developers just have this like seated in their lizard brain like yeah. it has to be in there or no one will take me seriously yeah well, um, yeah it wouldn't surprise me and you see that with i think rpgs as well like, like tabletop rpgs um mm-hmm. like sure. because there's this long tradition of um you know you you go out and you build up your stats and you get your magic weapon and you kill the monster um and so whenever a, a game breaks that it either really stands out or gets totally ignored. Um, yeah. And, and I, I backed a game, this might be two years ago. Evan, have I told you about um, John Silence, the RPG that I backed a while back? Backed a while back? I don't recall. Okay. Which is super helpful, but That's, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's also honest, so I'll take it. Um, 
so I backed it. I backed this on Kickstarter. I think it's two years ago now. Um, and the creator um, designed this this tabletop RPG. It was, it was like this noir, um, not I, I was going to say Lovecraftian, but it wasn't Lovecraftian, but like noir with like monsters and demons coming from another realm. And and it, was, it almost Lovecraftian in the sense that you're kind of like investigators and, and there's monsters in the world, but there was almost no combat mechanic built into the game. Um, the ah. point of the game is like if you like you know these demons, these monsters. Obviously, you know they might be wreaking havoc, or they might be you know lost, or or you know causing something in in our world. The goal is to communicate with them and convince them mm. to go home. Negotiate. Mm-hmm. Nego- yeah, it was well, negotiation. Negotiate. That's exactly it. And and it's and it was this, this really neat setup of like you don't need to fight them. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so we keep bringing up the nebulas. We're gonna make people jealous. Go to the nebulas next year, everybody. Go. Um, everybody this year, should. I guess. Um, right. This, yeah, some we, point. Yeah, some <laughs> point. One day. Um, there was a. Uh, I was really struck uh, at one of the panels on narrative design at mm-hmm. nebulas in 2020, uh, where Whitney Beltran, otherwise known as the Strix, mm-hmm. um, mentioned this. All of this context of of games being like weirdly inherently violent, and that that you know was was perpetuating a, a thing about culture that isn't, you know, necessarily a, a forever thing. And the quote that she she brought out was, you know, what if in, in these games, in, instead of hit or attack, the default action was tend, you know, oh. to tend to one another, to help each other, instead of like, you know, going up and like having, you know, hit X to like whack this guy with your sword. It's like hit X to like help this guy find his dog. Like, you know, that kind of yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Um, and there are games that exist that are doing that right now. Spirit Fair is Aww. one that we're playing right now that does that where you play essentially uh, the boat, you know, the ferryman Charon's young spunky replacement um, <laughs> nice. who is here to oh, nice. just take care of souls before they cross over into the afterlife. And it's kind of a resource management game. It's got kind of the Stardew Valley feel of like you got to grow crops so you can make meals so you can feed them their favorite meals and you have conversations with them about their lives and and what led up to uh you know this part of their passing and then eventually you say goodbye oh and it's i know know, it's it's described as like a very positive game about death and grief and and saying goodbye and it is one of those games wherein the default action is 10 yeah um, and I'm so glad we found it and that it came out this year because this is the year we need that stuff more that's than it. ever, right? That's exactly it. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, ever since I heard that, I've been on the lookout for stuff that, that fits yeah, yeah, yeah. that, um, that, you know, sparkling idealism and there is stuff out there. Yeah. And, and I think, and there's more and more of it. So I think that that need was always there, but I think especially this year, it, it, like, Definitely. we're like, no, we need something that is not dark um mm-hmm. yeah. in any way um and i know like it, it, the parallel to writing or, or to prose writing one of the things mm-hmm. that's like one of the things that has stayed with me the most in the last couple of years of, of talking to creators is i was talking to um our mutual friend amal el motar and i can't remember oh, if yes. it was online or if it was in person um and it doesn't matter but um she was saying about um like just conflict and fiction how you know our default is you know, solve the conflict with the hero kicking the crap out of the bad guy or, or whatever. Like there's some sort of big fight at the end. Um, and, and she said something about how like, no, like it, it's can be more effective and often harder to, you know, solve the conflict in your book by them just talking it out. And we don't see that very often. You know, like even yeah. in something like Star Trek, they end up shooting at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like they don't talk anymore, at least in mainstream stuff. And so ever since I had that conversation in anything that I'm writing, I'm like, okay, how, how can they communicate? Can I figure out a way for them to communicate and then not have to fight each other? Um, because I, I want that to be, that should be more common. I've, 
I've grown up into that mindset, like, okay. and not necessarily when it comes to, to violence. Uh, uh, well, no, I guess, yeah, in that way. Do you remember in an early draft of Heretics, when this is not a spoiler because it, it well, there was something that was going to happen in an early draft of the second book, which isn't out yet. So it's, it's all over the place. Timelines, yeah. timelines, um, everything, everything. I know. No, this is, um, this is all pen. This is Karian. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> there was a point at which I, uh, a younger self, yeah, I've been working on this duology for eight years now, mm -hmm. right? Wow. I was much younger. I was a teenager when I was I didn't realize uh, that. starting it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I took five years to write the first one and it's been about three working on the sequel. So it's, cool. uh, yeah, it's been a long time. Um, and so when I was much younger and a much less experienced writer and a much less varied reader, um, one of the things, one of these seeds in my lizard brain was like, well, someone has to die at some point. Yeah. Because otherwise the, there's no emotional stakes. Like yeah, I went through the same I, thing. every story I've ever seen, this happens at some point, right? Yeah. Um, and I wrote that in uh, as, as something that was going to happen further on, um, mostly for the sake of, well, it has to happen, doesn't mm -hmm. it? And then like five years pass and I read more and I get into conversations about this with, with fellow creators and just mm -hmm. with the media I'm consuming, I engage with it in that way. And, you know, eventually I came around to considering like, what if this is a story where that just doesn't have to happen? Yeah. Like, what if there are other ways to, you know, pull on emotions and to dwell in emotions without shock factor, mm -hmm. right? Like, if it contributes to the story, fantastic. But does it have to happen for the sake of that's how a story works? I don't think so. And I don't, yeah. don't want to do that. Like, I don't, I'm like you, Snuff. Like, I anthropomorphize too hard. I'm like, mm -hmm. I can't just kill someone off because it has to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I'm too nice. <laughs> So, you know, or I'm too soft or whatever, but I don't think it's too anything. I think it's just, mm -hmm. if it doesn't have to happen, then it shouldn't happen. And we should find as, as you and as Amal say, like a more interesting and a more diplomatic mm -hmm. uh, way of solving conflict and of moving through different emotional stages. Cause I think that there, mm -hmm. there's definitely a, a hunger for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope there is. I hate to be this clown about it, but no, this isn't clownery. This is kindness. I'm a very friendly clown right now. Do it. But <laughs> Do I it. think, here I go. Oh, honk, honk, says, says the nose. Um, <laughs> there's one. But, um, but there's, you know, it's, it's funny. There's this, um, sorry, my brain's looping. Give me a <laughs> just saying honk, honk. Oh, like, all good. <laughs> things, I'm like, everyone suddenly is like, just shout honk, shout honk. And I'm like, that's quite a honk. Honk. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, there's this, where was I? We were talking about... Conflict. Uh, conflict. You don't like have to. Yeah. You don't have to die. So I think that <laughs> just this once rose, everybody lives. <laughs> I think I'm wondering if the desire for um, violence in stories, which I am seeing less of lately, mm -hmm. comes from um, an old understanding of comfort. Um, oh, I'm thinking about um, one of Lindsay Ellis's video essays, one of the older ones about uh, Lord of the Rings, not The Hobbit, talking about, you know, Lord of the Rings coming out as like a post 9-11 movie. Oh. And this idea of like, there was like, why in this time period, like one of, one of our arguments was, you know, before all these like fantasy movies tried to happen and they just didn't work. But after this period where everyone is feeling confused and upset and overwhelmed, isn't it nice to have an obvious, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys there. You don't have to yeah. think hard about yeah. it. You're, you're, you're no nuance just lean into that and I yeah. feel like I think about that and I think about with violence like the idea of as and, and this is such a um like nor like a 
pretty privileged, honestly, like take right now. But I think, I think, I think about, you know, when you're living in a place of comfort, what are you exploring? How do you conceptualize your own internal battles and turn them into violent things versus mm. when violence is around you and you're seeing right. so much upheaval and you're experiencing this damage um, as it's happening live, not sort of reflecting on it later, there's yeah. sort of a desire to go, well, if, if violence actually is the default, what, when then does sort of kindness become a compassionate thing? And I think about, you know, I, I'm wondering how much super dystopian fiction we're going to be seeing in the uh, coming years. I think, I think dystopias kind of had, had their big heyday a while back. Um, yeah. And I look now and I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't want to read about dystopias. Um, I think there is conflict that can be had, especially when it's interpersonal conflict mm. in stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know if I need to, see it in, in, in this way. Um, and mm-hmm. maybe that's not true of everybody. I know for a lot of people there's processing. And I think, again, tying back to video games, um, we've been playing Hades a lot oh. too, Supergiant Okay, Hades. I have heard so much about this game. No. I've been trying, okay, Evan, have you tried this Hades game? I haven't tried it, I'm so I have slow. not, I have, no. Evan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, throw Evan under the bus. <laughs> This is, a massive, this is the kind of game that I summarily would have shot down as something that I would not be interested in, except for the fact that it's perfect in every way. I, I made a lot of because <laughs> I was like, everyone looks really pretty, but like in a very queer way, and I and the voice it looks nice. I want something nice. And then it turned out it also like ruined my life. But it's you know like the basic premise for anyone who hasn't played is you know you are Zagreus, um, the prince of hell essentially, you're the son of Hades, and you're trying to bust out of out of hell. Okay. Um, and it, it, it's a roguelite and you will literally just go through and every single time you die you're back in the house of Hades and the way that you progress is by dying that's how you get more Whoa. story and it's this thing where as you're playing this game you are on this loop with this boy just trying to get further before he is violently killed comes back out of the blood pool talks to everyone who's like of course you didn't get out you'll never get out and you go okay gonna do it again and you just Whoa. keep doing this and it is so fun and so funny and so earnest and it's all about relationship building but there has been so much comfort in watching someone do what i've been doing <laughs> what many people have been doing since yeah. march which is like yeah, the weird groundhog <laughs> day effect of like yeah. here we go again but it, it's been just like so joyful i guess and i look at that and i wonder would i have felt this in the same way if my life was feeling more dynamic would i have would this have resonated in this way? And I look at so many games and what they're exploring. And I'm, I don't know, I'm curious to see yeah. how beyond, again, like books and games, but media in general, how it's going to react. Because it takes things a long time to be made, right? So what people are making right now isn't going to come out for a couple years. Yeah, yeah, you'll see it in 2022. What's the trend going to be? And by yeah, then, yeah, yeah. is it going to align with where everyone's at emotionally? I don't yeah. know. Let's get some psychologists in, like Maybe. right now. Predictive like, fiction. What people need in the circle <laughs> of drama. Okay. Who, okay. Who do I know who's an actual psychologist as opposed to somebody who taught psychology or in a college class, which was me? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, so we need an actual expert, not 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 actually. Um, yeah. See, I find that interesting because, like, I, I hadn't heard about the the con, like, the dying and then looping aspect of, yep. of that game because mm-hmm. to me like because of the, the you know freaking groundhog day that we're always in and, and this like sisyphusian effort to kind of get through this to make another greek reference right um, he's also there <laughs> <laughs> like the like because of that like our daily life is so similar to that my my knee-jerk reaction is like well why would i want to play a game 
that so accurately reflects the BS that I'm dealing with every day. Mm-hmm. So I find mm-hmm. it fascinating that it that so many people like like at the same time, it sounds fat. I want to try this game. And then so many people have latched onto this. Like, like we latch onto something that's so similar to what we're going, or what's going on in our lives. Or I think a lot of people do that um, mm-hmm. as opposed to being like, Nope, I want nothing, you know, the, like the kind of the darker chapters of my life, which all three of you know about, you know, the last thing I want is to explore fiction that has to do with say divorce or, you know, mm-hmm. like abusive relationships and stuff. Like I don't want to talk, I don't want to touch that stuff, yeah. but yet yeah. people tend to gravitate towards it. And I find that fascinating. It's like the weird catharsis of it, right? Yeah. I think also I'm going to say a piece about Hades that I always yell about when we when we pitch it to our friends. Is that this game does wonders towards destroying the fixed mindset oh. in favor of the growth mindset. Okay. Um, so for people like me who were raised being told, "Hey, you're really smart, and you, you know, are are very like you know good at these things, and you are naturally good at these things, and you don't you just pick things up so easily." And like me and my cohort that that are are taught this narrative, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of other people as well. Just you have the the, the psychology of like, well, I'm good at these things, um, and that's just a, a natural thing. And uh, if I have to learn anything or like mess up at something before I'm good at it, I, I just shouldn't do it because it's yeah. not for me, yeah. which is like, of course, wrong. Um, of course, but, but I was told the same but, thing. So but it's totally what you're it. taught, right? Yeah. It's what you're taught. And it's really hard to shake, real hard to shake, especially into adulthood, right? I'm sure with your students, you must see a clear oh, yeah. difference between the ones who don't have that, who've been, you know, who've been raised in an environment of growth and you are going to have to like have your sort of superhero origin story yeah. of um, you got to try real hard and, and gambate and like mm-hmm. work your way up to, to some level of, of comfort and mastery versus the ones who have been told explicitly from day one, you're on a pedestal, you're just naturally good at whatever yeah. it is that you're doing. And God forbid you make an honest mistake at something because yeah. that then you're, you're stuck. Yeah. And Hades just trashes that because the point is, no matter how good and clever you are, you're gonna die eventually. Like no spoilers, but many even, times, many times hurt. over yeah. and over again in different exciting ways. Um, and the, because the, the plot hinges on you doing this, it essentially rewards you for failing more than it rewards you for succeeding. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fabulous. Narratively speaking. And so slowly over time, it starts to undo that assumption that like, you gotta be good at it. Like the game yep. is forgiving in this way. And more than forgiving, it encourages you to try your best and be okay with failing because you're gonna get this reward of being able to talk to everyone and you mm-hmm. advance the story and try again a little bit stronger. And it just like, it lit up all these little like dopamine receptors in my brain of like, oh my God, like it's okay to just be terribly bad at this. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, learn yeah, yeah. alongside the protagonist, mm-hmm. um, which really puts you in there with him. And it makes you really feel the the euphoria of finally succeeding when you do succeed at things um, because you've earned it, right? Yeah. You've, you've really been in it with him. Yeah. That's awesome. I think I- also when I think about like the loop of the idea of why do I want to see something that's my daily life? Like that's something that like, I definitely, that one, when I realized it was playing, I, I couldn't understand where I was getting that like pleasure from it. Yeah. And it was the realization that I'm watching someone survive it. Oh, interesting. Where, because of how the game is written for me, no matter what I do, I watch someone who, when I say, do you want to sit down? He goes, if I, if I sit down, I won't get back up. Do you want to go to bed? Can't sleep. Yeah. Watching that and watching someone keep like going. Like There's that thing where I'm someone who I think about. I engage with trauma in a way that's sometimes a little bit baffling where I, I love trigger warnings and contact warnings because um, there are very few things that I will turn away from, even though I do have a lot of triggers. I go, great, now I'm equipped to go in and look at this and see what I do. 
How am I going to react to this? How am I going to feel? And sometimes I'm like, no, how could this happen? And sometimes (laughs) I'm like, that doesn't sting like it used to. And I think watching someone do that in that way is, and just like making it through, like Mm -hmm. rings true to, I think how I engage with a lot of like trauma in fiction of looking at that and going, so this is what this has done to you versus what it has done to me. How do we engage with this? What do our futures look like? How can I learn from you? And what could you learn from me? The fact that it's like a um, prince of the underworld trying to bust out of hell with his giant sword kind of helps because it's oh, it's yeah. not someone stuck in their apartment in a plague. Like, I think this is, we have this conversation in speculative fiction community all the time about mm-hmm. how you can approach something obliquely mm-hmm. through illusion and through sort of like story mm-hmm. that is a little bit more exaggerated or, or fantastical than what we live through every day. And that makes it easier to get into the, like the marrow of it without being yeah. too triggered because yeah. it's too similar. Like the yeah. uncanny valley has been hit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm also Prince of the Underworld. With you a big are. You <laughs> <strong arm>. are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> but, oh, you know. That's interesting. I kind of feel like I, I want all my students to play this game now, even though I've never played it because um, so good. like, I feel like for most of them that grow and it might be my school in particular because my my school is a, is a different sort of demon um but that that growth mindset is not there it's yeah. it, like my like it doesn't matter what grade grade 9 through 12 my students come into my class knowing in most cases knowing in their minds i should be you know getting a 95 um and and that's it and there and when i say to them no like you know let's work on this skill it's gonna it's gonna be it might take us the whole semester and that's okay I lose almost all of them immediately. Um, and, 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 and like, I, and again, I think worse than when I started teaching. I don't know. And again, because I've, I've jumped around from schools and every school is a little bit different, but mm-hmm. um, like it goes to like, Sienna, what you were saying, I think that, um, that like, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to break that fixed, like to go from fixed mindset to growth mindset. And I, and at least in my students, it's so rare for them to not to at least not have a glimmer of that um and so maybe they should all play this game that's harder every (laughs) to have your school fund this Um, oh yeah because we have so much money (laughs) oh yeah right yeah so much disposable just to just to fritter away so much (laughs) (laughs) Ah, dear principal collins i would (laughs) no but this is you know uh we yeah. When it comes to fixed and growth and people coming in and assuming that they're going to have to like, you know, sink or swim and do or die and that there's no space for learning. Like there's no space for mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. we see this in, we we're jumping back and forth between games and publishing. And I love ah. this, this sort of bilateral conversation, but like we see this in publishing a lot, specifically on publishing Twitter, specifically on like when people screw up. Yeah. Um, lately, there's been a lot of really good examples of what to do and what not to do uh, when you make a mistake publicly, mm-hmm. um, either that you had um, no way of avoiding or that you definitely had ways of avoiding. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so much I'm seeing uh, kind of comes out in the wash, depending on how you handle that. Uh, that fallout and like are you able to respond with grace mm-hmm. versus just have like the knee-jerk reaction the platitudes or doubling down oh. which is the worst thing you can possibly do no and you would think people would have learned you did nothing wrong <laughs> don't double down that is never the right move <laughs> yeah. and also like so much is like stopping is an option like a uh, thing yeah. where like i think about like <laughs> 
<laughs> moving back to video games, I don't want to hurt anybody. And in real life, I don't want to hurt people either. That's not something that feels good. And like when you find out you hurt someone, sometimes you got to go, I fucked up until I feel like I'm like, things are cool in the sense that I'm not going to make that mistake until I feel like I've learned until I've done some reflection, I need to walk away. And there's like this terror in publishing, especially of like, I need to fix it so I can stay here right now and stay relevant and no one yeah. forgets about me. And I'm well, like, absolutely. hey, I think people don't want you taking up space in their head right now. Real winners quit. Real winners quit. Like maybe, maybe like- You can quit. walk away. <laughs> Do what you can to make it better. Realize you can't fix most of it and fucking like sit down. And it's just the inability to say like, I'm stopping for even a minute. I am stopping yeah. to learn. Like the idea of going, I have things to learn. And now I'm like, it, it, it's incredible. It really is like, you said, yeah. like either like, I said, I was sorry. What more do you want? Or like, I'm not sorry. I'll never be sorry. And it's like, okay, well, both of these are bad choices, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, it, like unsurprisingly, like uh, my mind always jumps to the the con side of it. Like, it, like, and Evan and I will like, we'll talk with Marie and Derek about stuff. And like, there are, there are like, I've made mistakes in however, how long have I been doing this? Evan, five years? <laughs> Counting on fingers. <laughs> Now he's got both hands up. I'm really concerned. This is becoming algebra. This is not counting. This, this year doesn't count. Just like. <laughs> oh, this year counts. Oh, it's got to be five years. Lost count. Five, okay, so five, you know, whatever. Um, like, I, like, I know that, you know, like me personally, like that I made mistakes either in terms of, you know, structure of a panel or staffing of a panel or interaction with the person, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and, and, I, and I, I still feel horrible. Frequent about mistakes. Every, what's that? Frequent mistakes? Extremely frequent Constant. mistakes. Constant. It's <laughs> basically endless mistakes. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, a glowing review from your colleague. <laughs> so much. Well, if you saw the you know the photo on Twitter today about him trying to strangle me, then you know exactly how our, our yeah um, <laughs> with Courtney and Aaron just oh it's so like, good. Uh, that is honestly my favorite photo of our concom. Like I, so I got to get it printed and, and put on my wall of, of photos at some point. A but, poster, uh, poster size. Yeah. Oh, giant poster. That's a good idea. Oh. Evan, and then you mail them. Yes. To all of your colleagues, so that they feel bad if they don't put them on the wall. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> that's the a, season. That's a really good idea, and they'll be huge. I'll, I got it for you for the holidays. <laughs> Um, I was saying something about CanCon and I got totally side, I sidetracked myself. About CanCon making mistakes, handing oh, yeah. them the grace. Right, but I mean, like, like the idea of not like, I mean, like apologizing is step one and the idea of then not trying to make it as mm-hmm. right as I can possibly make it just baffles yeah. me. Like, why would yeah, you yeah. not like, and, and, you know, my thing is, you know, trying not to feel horrible about it for the rest of my life. But um like I just, and, and so that when I see these things happening all around like really really that's your choice and then you're still going to be around in a couple of years and people will have forgotten I'm like really come on and I'm gonna say come on man because usually it's dudes but like, <laughs> which is unfortunate uh but I'm like come on and it just happens all the time and, it, and it, I don't know I would like coming back around, I do wonder, like, uh, this is not to play devil's advocate. This is just to try and take 10 steps back and look at the problem from a a longitudinal perspective of like, you wonder where psychologically that urge to be right comes from. And it's like, is this a fixed mindset thing? Is this like, well, if you're wrong once, then you're wrong forever. Mm -hmm. And there's no way that you can lean into humility and lean into having cocked up Mm -hmm. and like, just be better over time. Right? Like, 
this is not a, this is not an interpersonal skill that most of us are taught. So when we come into social spheres where we're coming into contact with people whose you know whose experiences we don't know, cannot mm-hmm. imagine, cannot yeah. empathize with, cannot understand, unless we do a lot of hard work and a lot of uncomfortable work. So many people who have not been taught the skill to just persist are like, no, because yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is not an excuse, but it may be a reason. Yeah. Um, as for why that happens and uh, the particular demographic it seems to happen most often with. It's a very existential terror, mm. I think. Oh, absolutely. Like I think about like interactions I've had with family members where I'm like, hey, can we acknowledge this systemic problem? Mm. And there is so much barrier because you go, well, if this is true, then maybe nothing I know is true. And maybe none of, and I look, and I'm like, oh my God, you've never had to examine this because wow. of the place that you're in. And it's that yeah. thing where it's like, the gap is so, it's such a, a self-focused gap, but mm-hmm. in that like existential level, I'm like, hey, you have to acknowledge if you want to engage in society in a decent way yeah. that you, you know, you have these privileges, like you've, you've been Absolutely. given this benefit that not everyone else has. But so much of that comes from, well, if I look at that, my entire life needs to be reframed. And it sure does. Moving all the way <laughs> yeah. back, it's someone who's just had to reframe their entire life in this past Way! <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it, it. It's something where I look and I'm like, but like, it's hard, but you, you gotta like it's that thing of like yeah. you, you just you gotta it's like it sucks buddy but you gotta do it yeah you gotta you it's it's i don't know i was there's a tweet that alexi harrow was putting up about um oh my god about the, the four-year-old <laughs> who realized that death was like a thing and oh, like, no. the family's just like processing like like death and like what that means and it's that thing where like when you have a kid at some point they're gonna have you're gonna have to explain death to them and it's been so like fascinating and funny and sad seeing how the family's been handling that. But looking and being like, you know, this is like, it is a side effect of life that you're going to have to at one point go, well, I'm going to die. Yeah, life is bi-terminal, having begun it ends. Yes. And it's also like a side effect of being in a society with other people and engaging yeah. that you're, you're going to have to constantly reframe not only who you are with yourself, but who you are with others. Yeah. And but that should be exciting. But that should exactly. That like, should be a, an but it, but, it, but it's also terrifying. Um, yes. And and like the one, the recent one for me um, was like and and partly my role as as a, a con programmer and partly just as a member of the writing community in general is mm. like like again I, I'm always careful to say something because I think most people will say this. I like to think I go into most situations with the best of intentions. Um, mm. And 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 you know I, I'd like to think that about myself the thing that I've had to kind of reckon with like recently, like in the last year is that regardless of how, how well-meaning I am or, you know, how much good I'm trying to do either with CanCon or with anybody, like there, there is an element or, or like an individual who has been hurt by, you know, the establishment might take a look at me as a, you know, cisgendered white dude, and I and 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 for reasons that have nothing to do with either of us, immediately see me as okay, you're 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 the enemy, and mm-hmm. right and and that like realizing that I was like, well, no, but I'm not the enemy. How, why would they think that I'm the enemy? It has nothing to do with me, mm-hmm. and and that was tough for me to wrap my head around because like and again, it's not every interaction with every person, but but if that comes up, I, I have to accept that, and and if yeah. that means taking a step back or like so be it because it it like. Again, it's got nothing to do with me. It's got it like I just have to live. With, I have to live with that, and that's okay because it's part of the the wider problem that we see um, in writing and publishing, and then what have you, right? 
Yeah. Absolutely. And I think so much of that too, is the whole idea of being like, this doesn't have anything to do with me now. How do I keep it from having to do with me? Like, how do I, yeah. how do I start reframing like the challenge where I think about like, you know, like I am queer, I am trans, I am disabled, I'm neurodivergent. I have, I have a lot of exciting things going for me, but I'm also pretty damn white. And it's a thing where I see um, a lot of white queerness looking around mm. and seeing like, well, I've experienced this, so it's the same. It's, it's all like, the same. Like, it's really yeah. not. It's yeah. really not, especially when it comes to race. Like it's really, and so much of it has been like, I don't know. I, I think it's just something like looking at that and taking that and like you said, like not taking it personally and mm-hmm. being like, this is a very valid response to have. Like Absolutely. proceeding with caution is the thing to have and figuring out, you know, yeah. like figuring out how to wield allyship is something that I oh, yeah. feel like, publishing especially is still learning how to do yeah i know i'm still um, trying to figure it out like really it's yeah, yeah. has an individual human on planet earth yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's really mm-hmm. it's something that we hope that we can i guess i'm using the big grand we like i am in a hive mind but like <laughs> a hive mind of two. a hive mind of two that is us but it's just that that thing of like you know yeah it, it's it should be so simple to be a decent kind person but when there are so many systemic barriers in place it becomes something you have to actively think about yeah um, all the time and it's just i don't know it's yeah. lots to think about <laughs> right which i mean that like and it, it, on the one hand you it's like oh god that's so fucking tiring but is it though like it, yeah. it's, it's not really it, like you know, your just, mileage may vary it's yeah, one of those exactly. things where i'm gonna tell a quick story <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell a story of amy um avi's mother wonderful has been an absolute gem in learning about queerness and learning about the queer experience and trying to uh, incorporate that learning into, also a teacher, um, incorporate that learning into her teaching and into just her dealings with her students and Mm -hmm. and making sure that that uh, exists as part of her framework. Um, And then she took it one step further to try and educate her fellow teachers uh, who are not as on the ball possibly because they don't happen to have queer children. and at one point she came to Avi and on the phone was just like, you know, it's so hard. I have to correct people all the time about your pronouns. And Avi just kind of like lets it go into a corner until Amy, like there's a silence on the phone and Amy goes, no. And it's like a good place Michael no me moment where it's just like, guess what? Guess who's got to deal with this all the time. Yep. Um, and she had that moment. And I feel like a lot of us uh, have to come up against that moment at some point in our lives, yep. right? Uh, where you, you, you finally realize kind of in your own, hopefully in your own private space or in the company of people who are not suffering due to that, uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, that guilt. Um, that like the thing that's so difficult for you is difficult because it's new and you haven't had to do it your entire life. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it comes kind of, I don't want to say downwards, but like across the web of like, you know, saying like, you know, I'm queer. I've had to deal with like queer based harassment, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't had to deal with anything that has to do with race and these things are different. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. to have it be like, man, like I, you know, it's, it's so difficult to have to like champion you know, people of color in white spaces, like, oh, is it? Is it difficult? <laughs> yeah, really? Like, Tell me more. Try more. <laughs> like, you gotta, you gotta just keep doing it. And if you wanna whine about how difficult it is, because sometimes it can take a toll because you're not used to it, there are spaces to talk about that. They are not your friends of color. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they don't want to hear it. Because they're like, yeah, welcome to my life. Um, yeah. And it, it kind of goes up and out in, in different spaces. And, you know, you might have a lot of experience in one area and have absolutely no clue what you're doing in another area. So, like, 
the other thing to remember for me anyways, like just because you've nailed it in one space due to like personal experience or mm-hmm. like you've just, you have a good track record, like <laughs> sleep with one eye open because you never know when something is going to come out of your stupid head that you're like, wow, yeah. I did not even realize that that was something that was, I was still operating that on that fun. framework. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Until yep. someone points it out and coming back around, that's when you got to have the, the, the grace to apologize and then do what you can to atone right and to make reparations um and to be restorative about it instead of like just you know again like we we talked about doubling down or like ghosting also doesn't work like we did say taking a step back is is often a good way to to go about it to like sit down and listen but deleting your twitter but deleting your twitter and and blocking (laughs) all the people who are calling you out is not a a good look let's not do that is the kids say it's not a good look no is is that what the kids say i don't know what kids say (laughs) <laughs> we had this interaction we don't know what the kids say they don't know who Toph Bay Fong is we don't I know, know right how do they not know who Toph is devastating <laughs> my blessed happening? blessed beloved sister I have like a million siblings and um the baby is now 16 which makes Whoa. me feel very Whoa. old this yeah. was like I watched this child come into the world it was a big surprise um but like she's like 16 now and she like texts me like Avi do you know about Avatar The Last Airbender? And I was like, oh, yeah, baby, this is the greatest moment of my life. Like, this is, and I was like, yeah, me and, like, Ryan, like, my my younger brother, who's close to age, like, we grew up watching that, but that's, we have a nine, what, 11-year gap between you? We have an 11-year gap between us, so, of course, she would have just missed it. Yeah. And it was just so great, like, me getting texts from her, like, I think I feel kind of bad for Zuko. And no, I'm like, just, you wait till season three. Just. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such like a pleasure when you watch like that discovery like I'm really I'm I'm still we are children we are babby we're still very young but I'm there's fine I'm finally at like the age where there is like there are people younger than me that are whole adults they have a culture adults. yeah they have their own culture yeah. and I don't know what the fuck they're saying but I'm so proud <laughs> yeah. oh I know that's and, and it's like I <laughs> Funnily enough, I think that that's been my experience like the last five years of teaching, which is terrifying because again, same, I'm fairly young in the grand scheme of things as well. And, and so I'm like, if I'm already that like confused, I'm screwed for the next 25 years of my career. Like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> what yeah, am I going to no do? I, I remember doing, um, this is when I was on, I was on practicum. So I would have been, oh man, 20, maybe. Oh. <laughs> And uh, I was uh, in a, a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eons ago. Um, and uh, I, I, we're doing, a, it was a grade 12 philosophy class, me and my associate teacher in there. Mm. Yeah, let's, let's ask the students what their slang is. And I'm like, you sure that's a good idea, dude? And he's like, we're doing it. Okay. And so he asked him, like, just throw out whatever slang you folks use. And we were, it was a part of a, a broader lesson about language and how language evolves over time and, and mm. stuff. And then this, this was the hook to get them in. And, and so he writes like 30 different, Term, like terms and phrases on the board and, and it starts off the students are like hesitant to say anything and he's like no seriously like this is you know and he'd established a safe space and so it's like whatever no judgment whatever first comes to mind it's about penises it's okay like and mm-hmm. and then uh so we put the 30 on the board and he's like okay and he looks at it and he's like I don't know what most of this is and he turns to me and he goes Mr. Curley do you know do you know what any of these are and I take a look and I go okay well I think I know what that one is and it, it was um to say that somebody has wheels I was like that means somebody has a nice car right and all the students pivot to look at me and they go no <laughs> what and it had to do with apparent at the time it's changed now probably but uh at the time when they said somebody had wheels it was that they they were pretty good at picking up older chicks first of all yikes second of all what <laughs> yeah and i'm like and that was the old and i was like okay then i i know none of them and i'm like and there they were these kids were only like 
four years younger than me. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. I, like, and that, and so that, it started there and it's just been downhill ever since. Can I just say that the three of you sitting here complaining about how you're getting old. I, I, I can feel the flesh shriveling on my bones and the, the process of mummification is, is rapidly beginning as these three intensely youthful people moan their encroaching old age. Evan, when is the last I mean, time will, we, will any of us live to 50? Is the question? Climate change is here. Fascism is alive. Keep it positive, Sienna. <laughs> Evan, when was the last time you felt... Only. <laughs> good vibes only. Evan, when was the last time you felt connected to the youth? <laughs> Normally it's him throwing me under the bus for how young I am. So I, this turnabout is fair play, my friend. In. I mean, I feel like uh, Sorry, we're laughing I should be answering that question on a therapist sketch because I'm not sure I ever felt connected to the youth. Uh, okay. But uh, I mean, no, I mean, it, it, it's been a very long time. Because, um, yeah, I, I, I figured out recently that I've been teaching for over 20 years, which is alarming. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, that process of alienation started fairly early on. I knew I was really in trouble when I was teaching a political science class. And I kept mentioning 9-11 yeah. in the lecture that I was doing. Because of course I was in I was in grad school in 9/11, right? And it's this like pivotal moment in my mind. And like, and of course you remember after 9/11, and of course you remember after 9/11. And finally, one of the kids was brave enough to put up their hand and say, "Sir, we were in kindergarten." And I was like, "Yeah, oh dear, <laughs> okay." Yeah. So it's yeah. been a long time, Brandon. Is the, okay. is the short right, answer. Brandon, it's been a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I had to make that shift teaching my grade, my uh, especially my grade 10 Canadian history course. Like they don't know a world before 9-11 because they're yeah. 15 mm. and so yeah. I, I like I, I over like over the past couple of years I keep making references to stuff and I'm like you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about you don't know what that world is yeah. um because the world is so fundamentally different now like in so many ways and I'm yeah. and you have no frame of reference for that and so I have to like work extra hard now to explain that um mm -hmm. which is terrifying in many ways what is Jevic doing I can see your eyes <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. I no, 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 no. I context. wanted to talk about Jevic, so I, this is a perfect segue. <laughs> he's not sure what to do. At 8 p.m., his light yeah. goes off, and for every single night we've had him, for the, like, eight weeks we've had him, yeah. he goes to bed within five minutes, but currently he is just running around and, Dropping like, his looking at his sweet potato that he didn't finish and trying to decide, look at him. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying, what, oh. what do you want? What do you want? He does this Your parents are busy. He yeah. body slams against the glass. Oh, really? <laughs> and then you're like, what? And he's like, hey. <laughs> That's <amazing. laughs> You have to like pick him up. Listeners, dear listeners, um, we have recently, as of the time of this, uh, this broadcast or this, this recording, we have purchased, we have adopted a darling bearded dragon by the name of Jevic. Um, we, we named him Jevic uh, after the protagonist in my favorite fantasy novel, which is Sophia Samatar's A Stranger in Alondria. Uh, we had a number of names. Zagreus from Hades was one of them, uh, a list. And we, would, we just did the, the old trick where you go, what are you, little one? Are you a this? Are you a that? Are you a what? And you just keep going down the list. And the name that they perk up at, that's their name. Um, and so uh, this is little Jevic. And he's, uh, he's 12 weeks old as of like Friday. Um, and he's a little monster. Um, and uh, he has an Instagram at live underscore laugh underscore lizard, um, <laughs> which is something we never thought we would. Oh, are you going to bring him out before bed? Oh, 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 oh hello. 
Serious. Fantastic radio, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this in unedited. Oh God! It's yeah. We have a little a little nugget on the shoulder. He's just enjoying himself, but oh. he um he does a lot of exciting tricks like jumping, um pooping on you. Oh, okay. You know. Do you want to get That's on the head? A, Oh, no, you just got him. I got him. In the, oh, sorry, buddy. Here. Oh, no. Put him on the head. Put him on my head. He'll be happy. Yesterday, while we were playing Spirit Bearer, he climbed up onto our heads and just watched us for a very long time. Wow. There we go. Do you want to, do you like it there? Usually he climbs himself, but okay. he's tired. He needs to go to bed. Yeah, he's normally asleep by now. Oh, here we go. Interesting. He loves his adventures. He's he's a little perfect ghoul. Mm. But that's that's our prince. That's amazing. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little jealous because again, as of the time of this recording, um, we're still trying to coax Bob the snake out of, uh, to come and play. Cause he, he is still a little skittish because yeah. he's very much a, a baby snake. And, yeah. and so Jess has handled him a couple of times. Um, but he like, like he'll, he just wriggles through her, her fingers and he, and, and is like, nope, 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 mm-hmm. nope, 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 nope. Until it's finally. Like, get away. Yeah, until he jumps back into the terrarium. So we're we're working on it. I can see him right now. He's we his, uh... we have found that um, food nah, was there. He, goes. Bed. he just go. wanted to be handled before he went Aww. to bed. Um, he's this is the thing because this is the room that he's in is a uh, sort of one of the two functioning office spaces that we have as right. we both do work from home. So um, all of the like bearded dragon Reddit, a place I never thought I would end up. Right, um, there's a corn snake. Says, it's fascinating. Right. Yes. Thank you, reptile Reddit. Um, yeah. bless them all say things like, you know, it'll take a couple of months um, before your your buddy is ready to, oh my God, Shabak. <laughs> he's going just lunatic. It's great. He never does this. I love that he's doing it now. This is great. Perfect. Um, marks the occasion. But no, yeah. So Reddit says, you know, it'll take a couple of months for uh, for your buddy to get used to you and to be comfortable being handled. Yeah. Um, but that was from the before times mm-hmm. when you'd like get your kid a bearded dragon and your kid would go to school and the bearded dragon would be alone in the kid's room yeah. for eight hours and the kid would come back and immediately stick his hands in the cage and try to play with it and then get bored after 10 minutes. Like yeah. that was the the amount of time spent interacting that was expected. Whereas now we're in this room like five hours a day and he's right. hearing our voices as we talk to each other. Also, there's two of us, right? Mm-hmm. So he hears us interacting with each other. He mm-hmm. sees us, he, we've got his, his, uh, his vivarium kind of at eye level so that he doesn't mm-hmm. feel like we're towering over him all the time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we really, um, we, we expedited the process. We really sped up the, the sort of bonding just by being here all the time. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. He's, he's been really sweet though like you know we went to the store there was one who i was looking at who was a little yellow beardy mm-hmm. and he's just sort of sitting there and yeah. i'm like oh do i love you and then this dickhead runs up like climbs on top of the what's up what's, <laughs> what's going on like literally who are you just started flexing i'm like what are you doing <laughs> that's what? amazing like and i was like oh so this one here seems so mellow but this one like this one's got attitude and we went home and we're like what's it going to be we put up our pole like top lizard or bottom lizard he is top lizard oh yes and I saw the when pole. we came back in yeah that was that was it we're like which one do we want to do this one's a little spunkier i don't know and a lot of people were like bearded dragons just turn into potatoes after about a year so find the most active one you can nice and when we came back in we're like well let's let's see what we do and he just like vibed and it's he came back and it took him some time to settle in but by doing like lots of like treats on hands to be like climb mm-hmm. up and you get a treat it was just a lot of positive reinforcement and mm-hmm. a lot of like sitting on the floor and talking with our arm just hanging out in the viv oh. mm-hmm. so it's literally not ever not trying to touch but we spent about two idea. weeks 
just do two weeks. Don't try to touch. Just sit there and do it with your hand in. Um, put in a hairband or a sock, something that yeah. smells like you. Yeah. Okay. And just not that it. like reeks. Just no, 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 no. Just, yeah. Don't put them off. <laughs> But like, but yeah, an item things. of clothing. Yeah, just something that is like, yeah, that we, uh, an old hair tie of mine. Yeah. I say old, but like a, a hair tie of mine has been wrapped around a log in there for like five weeks. Yep. Right, um, right. Swap it out occasionally for from snacks. just the early days of like, here, yeah. get used to the the smell of this place uh, before you get used to being handled by something yeah. that looks. I one of the posts. Shout out to whoever said this on Bearded Dragon Reddit. It was like you got to imagine that to a, a baby bearded dragon or a baby corn snake, even any sort of tiny reptile, mm. human being they look like spiders the size of cars yeah and they're trying to be your friend <laughs> like, what like how long yeah. would it take you to be okay with that yeah <laughs> exactly right and i know like in our case i think i told you the story on on twitter via email like um we have this i'm pretty sure it's styrofoam but there's like a fake wall at the back of his yeah. area um did i type it i'm getting stuck, got behind stuck it. there he got stuck you? twice <laughs> and so the second time it took us two hours to get the bastard out of there because we couldn't, like, we're like, okay, we don't want to touch him. We don't want to freak him out. And he's stuck at the bottom. And we're trying to, like, okay, how do we move the wallet enough to give him enough leverage to climb out? And then we're like, okay, maybe we can coax him up with a mouse. Two hours we spent trying to get him out. And so we're, like, and then we left him alone for, like, a week. We said, okay, we terrified oh. the poor bastard. And he, he like, he disappeared. He, he dug into, like, the substrate. And, the substrate. And, and just vanished for, like, five days. And we oh. thought we had, like, petrified and we were never going to see him. And, like, like, finally we got, Jess is like, we got to go digging for him. Because like, because like, like Justin, like I can't, like I'm not gonna get to sleep tonight. Can we just go and find him? I'm sure. So I wash my hands, throw some gloves on, I start digging out. He comes shooting out, <laughs> hides in the corner. Like, okay, he's alive. He's still there. Perfect. Close the frame. And it turned out he had gone in there to shed. Ah, so he was totally fine. He was chilling, and we went and disturbed him. And so, Ooh. so that's probably why he's a little. Uh, so he's, he's getting better. But but I like that idea of yeah, just stick your hand in and. Uh, <laughs> killing and then like we did that and then we moved to petting um yep. where he loves little beard scratches i don't know how corn snakes are but that little top they of the can head yeah takes... top or, or bottom it, it varies apparently from snake to snake but for what they like but that was with him we did a lot of that and he got used to it and then it became like i'm gonna do that and then put a worm on my wrist how mm. bad do you want it and it's like, I'm going to lift my hand sure now. Wiggling. Do you like it? Oh. And then eventually it's just like, okay, you're sure. <laughs> the other thing that we discovered is that they love looking out windows. Because oh. they don't realize that we're just in a slightly bigger viv. <laughs> so, like, so like they look out and they see the world and they're just, just captivated, right? So yeah, what yeah. we did at the first few times is we would just like, get him very so like slowly and then all at once like we slowly have him yeah. and then we'd like run to the window <laughs> and be like here look at it because that will you know distract you from the fact that like you can be bad now right um yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he he'd calm down especially because like they're you know as as ectotherms as cold-blooded critters like yeah. they uh you're the warmest thing that they're nearby once they're outside of their their you know temperature controlled area so especially mm -hmm. in wintertime in canada yep. when you're like near the window which is a cold window and you eventually just feel after five minutes this little buddy just settle his chin mm. on your hand because it's warm it's a such a it's a heroic moment you're just like mm, we did it <laughs> So good. Yeah, time yeah. mostly. Time. Yeah, yeah, the language, the language of reptiles has been really interesting, and I'm, mm. I, I really hope that you and Nemesis get to appreciate this because one thing that we found is we have a lot of metaphorical language that has come from learning about how lizards work that we can use to describe just like stuff that's happening in our own emotional world that we did not previously have language for, like the shedding thing. Like, yeah, we see shedding as a metaphor all the time, but like unless you have 
an animal that sheds yeah. in your house and you yeah, yeah, watch yeah. real time how cranky they get and how it happens in patches. It does not come off clean. It is yeah. not a nice process. Like yeah. once you're really in it, you understand what, why we use that metaphor. Right. Yeah. And then you, you can use it, you can employ it in your daily life in a way that, that feels like it actually describes something mm -hmm. very complex that's going on inside of you because you, you've lived it watching it happen on something else in a very literal sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And stuff like and that. And then you find the things that you don't realize you have in common with bearded dragons. Mm. Um, there's, a, there's a very popular uh, misconception where if you're holding a little beardy um, and it doesn't know you very well yet and it closes its eyes that it's relaxing. It's not. Um, when with bearded dragons, while they're still young and small and they're getting to know you if you're petting them and they close their eyes and stay still, they're not calm. They're doing something they call enduring, which is where they basically get very still and just disassociate until whatever's stressing them out is done. And I'm like, oh, I get that. Like, I've got you, baby. That's it's been me for the past 25 fucking years. <laughs> oh my God, that's so amazing. We're like, it's that thing where like, I'll be on like a phone call. I don't want to be on. And I'm just there like, mm, I am enduring. <laughs> I'm just going to endure. And then it's going to stop, like, and then you'll leave me alone. But it's yet lizards disassociate when they're stressed, which I, I think I didn't is, know that. It's incredible. But then you find what they do like. Like, there's just yeah. the whole thing of, so what, is it, what does it look like when someone's happy? When it's, like, when we stop projecting cat and dog language onto Any other reptiles, living creature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What does it yeah. actually mean? Like, it's, it's, it's amazing to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. see how many misconceptions there are. But it's also so rewarding then when you find little things like, slamming your little claws against the glass because you want to get out and be princess trouble it's just <laughs> like, um, yeah, but yeah i love it like I, again up until you know uh, my nemesis came to me and, and said hey can i get a snake or, or and then it was can we get a snake um mm -hmm. I, like I, I had never entered my brain to get any sort of reptile and it is I have learned so much about reptiles so and, and stuff that I had no clue. And it has been so much fun just for that. Like this whole like world mm -hmm. uh, of not just like, you know, captive pet care, but also like reptiles in general. Like, I didn't know any of this crap. Like it, it, yeah. it's just, it is fabulous. Do you um, know how much bearded dragon like trivia is making its way into my writing right now that I will have to later no excise doubt. because it's like <laughs> it's the only metaphor I can think of and I'm like That's people it, are going right? to see this they're going to know they're like, going like, to the get to know the surroundings <laughs> Like, they're going to see the point before which Sienna had a bearded dragon and the <laughs> yeah, point after which. Like, Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Just write books about lizards. Clearly. But, yeah, the learning yeah. is just nuts. The learning oh, yeah. curve, too, right? You oh, become yeah. an expert so quickly when well, it's you a child. Right? Exactly, right? Like, as soon as we got, like, okay, now we're snake parents. Like, we got to, like, and the slightest mm -hmm. thing goes wrong and we're like, that's it. We killed them. Like, we can't. <laughs> just like real parents of human yeah. children. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so hard my, to kill. We really are. <laughs> Um, yeah, I yeah. found out when I was filling out my report to find out what kind of broke my brain was. Yeah. Um, I already knew, but I was like, mom, I need like a full like history of what's going on. Like, and, and my, my mom has epilepsy and okay. I was like, I've had seizures, right? She's like, yeah, but only the, uh, those three times you fell on your head when before you were two. And I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, oh, no. well, once you went down the stairs, that was a big one. Then off the high chair, then off the slide. And you had seizures after all of those, but nothing since. So I think it was just that you hit your head and I'm like, Okay, I'm still here. I'm not looking great, but I'm I'm enduring. Like, <laughs> and with the reptiles, it seems like you drop them once and that's it. Whereas apparently, you can use me like a freaking basketball.
Well, I see the animals are back to being adorable rather than abominable, so it's safe to venture forth once more. We had a wonderful time talking with our fellow survivors today, so, so thank you to Avi and Sienna for joining us here in our underground safe haven. We'd also like to thank our fellow survivor, Chris Kesner, Ottawa musician, for providing our intro and outro music. And also thanks to our sound editor, June Park, for doing some of the behind the scenes work. Um, and also thank you to all of you survivors out there for joining us for our conversation today. Stay safe, be kind to the birds and the beasties, and we'll look forward to reaching you again with our next broadcast from the Wasteland.